0: Romans 8 29 says this for whom he, speaking of God, for whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn. Among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let's pray. Lord, if you are for me, who can be against me? You're you're for us, who can be against us? I just pray that you make that, those very words, a part of who we are, a part of our identity this morning, Lord, today, do it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So, we spent most of last week going chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the book of Romans. And we spent most of last week on the first part of verse 29 which says, read it along with me, for whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son. Now, remember what that means, those who God foreknew. Remember, that is the equivalent of saying those who God chose for himself Before they were even born. Remember, I read a verse from the book of Jeremiah, and here it is right here Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. This is God speaking to Jeremiah, but this is Him speaking to you. He's speaking this to you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I separated you. For myself. Jeremiah 1 5. For whom he foreknew, meaning those he separated in advance for himself. The verse goes on to say there in verse 29, he predestined, meaning he wrote your destiny in advance. And what was that destiny? Verse 29 says, to be conformed into the image of his son, to become like Jesus. That is the destiny that God wrote about you in advance before you were even in your mother's womb. That's what this verse says. Verse 29 of Romans chapter 8. And then it goes on at the, uh, rather v- verse 29. And then at the end of verse 29, it says, So that he, meaning Jesus, might be the firstborn of many brethren. Uh, b- and b- by that it means, when, so when people uh, look at you, this is your destiny, that you'll get to a place in your life that when people look at you, they will say, He's related, she's related to that Jesus person that people talk about. Again, end of verse 29. So that, so that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers, many sisters. You being the brother, you being the sister, being conformed into him, to be, to be, becoming like him so that people will look at, at you and say, oh, he's a brother of Jesus. She's a sister of Jesus. That's what that verse means. Verse 29, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Again, in Great Britain, we talked about this last week, a poll was written Taken rather, what was taken of 18 to 25 year olds, 89% said there was no purpose or meaning in their life. So, Calvary Chapel in the city, someone asks you, someone puts a mic in your face and says, What's the purpose of your life? What are you going to say? Please get this right. Please, what are you going to say? to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Verse 29 uh, says, so that Jesus will be the firstborn among many brethren, meaning that, that your life will, be, will, will bring attention to him. Everyone with me on that? All right, next verse, verse 30 of Romans chapter 8. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called. Whom he called, these he justified. Whom he justified, these he glorified. Okay, let's break that down. For It begins, it begins with, um, again, verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined. Predestined for what? Tell me, tell me, tell me to be conformed into the image of Christ. Good. Moreover, verse 30, moreover whom he predestined, these he also called. These uh, These whom he called. What does that mean? We put this verse up a couple weeks ago. It's from John chapter 10. This is Jesus speaking speaking really of himself, although he's, he's uh, talking about himself in the, th- in the third person. He says, the sheep, that means you, hear his voice, the shepherd's voice, Jesus' voice, and he, Jesus, calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Underline the word calls. The sheep follow him for they know his voice. So when so when verse thirty says, "Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called; for, for whom he predestined, those who he wrote about before they were even in their mother's womb, that they were going to be conformed to the image." At the right time, the time that he cho- chooses, he calls you to himself, and this is the miracle of salvation that. You hear his voice, and as this says, you know the voice. Can anyone here relate to that? At some time in your youth or sometime uh, whenever uh, it was that uh, God began getting your attention, God called you, and it was like, Whoa, I know this voice. I recognize this voice. This, this is God, and God is calling me. Call. Again, verse 30. Whom he predestined, these he also called. Let's move on in the verse. It says, and whom he called, these he justified. Whom he called, these he also justified. Okay. Okay. Remember we when we were in a previous chapter in Romans chapter 5, we talked a lot about that word justifies. What does that mean when it says that God justifies you? First he calls you, calls you by name it says, and you recognize his voice, you follow his voice, and he calls you out and then it says at that point he justifies you. What does that mean? It means he declares you righteous before God and angels uh, it, it, because you are now in Christ. You've been connected to his son, Jesus Christ. We put up this definition for justifies. And so this is, this is God. It, it, when it says God justifies, it, it, it says this. It, it's, it's like saying God declares you just. He declares you right and innocent and prepared to go to heaven. And so this is what we had put up this definition a few months ago. It's, it's as if God is saying, you're not guilty, you're qualified. I, God, now receive you into an everlasting relationship with me. Everybody with me? Maybe kind of? So again, verse 30, moreover, whom he predestines, these he also called, whom he calls, he justifies, meaning he prepares them in an instant by giving them the righteousness of Christ, the life of Christ, and and the life of Christ comes inside of them by the Holy Spirit, they're made ready for heaven, and then finally it says in verse 30, and whom he justifies, these he glorifies. Whom he justifies, he, um, those he glorifies, and so what that means there—it's speaking. It's we we, were, we talked about this um, earlier in in the chapter, actually in verse 23, um, when it says, "Whom he justifies, um, these also he will glorify." It's speaking there in part about heaven. Meaning once God saves you, once he calls you and saves you, he brings you to heaven. But as we learned in verse 23 of this chapter, just go back there with me. In verse 23 of chapter 8, read it with me now. It says, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption the redemption of our body or you could say the glorification of our body that point in the future where the bible promises we're not going to have this achy problem-like body we're not going to have this these minds which are darkened, still darkened, until we get our new uh, uh, body by, by sin. Romans 7 said sin still dwells in us until we get a glorified body. Um, we're going to not have this mind, the Bible says, that now we see the, the truth in, uh, about God as in a mirror that's barely lit. There will be a time when you are glorified where it won't be dimly lit anymore. It's going to be really bright, and you will see Jesus, you will see God as he is. Glorification, glorification. And so um, my question for you, let's, let's read this verse, verse 29. It says, those whom he, for rather, verse 30... Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called. And so someone answer this question, please shout it out. How many of those that he predestined does he also call? How many? All of them. That's what the verse says. I'm not making this stuff up. It says all of them. So let's go to the next part of the verse. Those whom he called, these he justified. So how many of those who he calls does he justify? All of them. That's what the verse says, and then let's just finish it out. And whom he justifies, these he also glorifies. Now, how many of those that he justify does he also glorify? Shout it out nice and loud. So let's just put to rest the idea that once God calls you to himself, that somehow that relationship can change ever Once he calls you and justifies you, you are in Christ and you will be for all eternity. You can't lose that. You can't lose it. It's what the verse says. It it doesn't say um, uh, those whom he justifies, he glorifies, except for the ones who backslide. It doesn't say that. It says all of them. Now, if you, if you happen to, if you want to use that verse as a license to go out and live like a dog, God help you, because the Bible says that a person who has the Holy Spirit and who is in Christ, if they go out there, th- that they don't say stuff like that. They don't, say, they don't even think stuff like that. They want to be, we were talking about this last week, they want to be like Christ, And so if they go into this backslide where they go start living in the world again, they're dying to get out of it and back to Jesus. Those whom he calls, he justifies. Those who he justifies, he glorifies. Just a couple verses um, on that. I love this verse from Hebrews chapter 6, which says this. This hope, what hope? The hope that we're just talking about right now. The hope that once God calls us, eventually he's gonna glorify us. This hope is safe, a safe anchor for your souls. I I love this because I grew up with anchors. I grew up on boats. My dad was in the boats. (laughs) <laughs> and, and going out in, on, on, in wild weather. And so I, I came to uh, appreciate um, anchors. This hope is a safe anchor for our souls. It will never move. This hope goes into the holiest place of all behind the curtain of heaven. Meaning your hope, your salvation is like an anchor that goes right into heaven and it, it is set and secure there. Is that an awesome verse or what? I love that verse. And then the next verse um, says this. Do we have another one? Hebrews 2.10, where Jesus is called the captain of your salvation. It says this. For it was fitting for him, speaking of God the Father, "for for whom are all things and by whom are all things, meaning the whole purpose of the world, is about God. It's not about me, it's not about you. It is about God. For it was fitting for him, for whom we are, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation, and that's Jesus, the captain of your salvation, speaking here of Jesus Christ to make of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And so notice here, Jesus is the captain of your salvation and then just right before it, where is this captain taking you? To glory. He's taking you to glory, to heaven, to that place where you will have, um, a, 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 where you will be given a glorified body. Okay, love that verse. Let's go to the next verse. Every verse in Romans 8 is a different sermon. It's difficult to to teach through it, But, but let's go to verse 31 now. It says, what then shall we say to these things? We're talking about these promises. And he's saying, what then shall we say to these things? Like, what more can I say about how amazing all these promises are? What can I possibly do to outdo myself in trying to persuade you, Paul is saying here, he wrote the book of Romans, to tell you just how incredible your salvation is? He wrote to the church in Ephesus in chapter three. He prayed that they would Please, God, that they would understand how wide and long and high and deep is their great salvation. And so here in verse 31, he's saying, what what else can I say? In other words, he's saying, look, if you guys don't get it by now, that that your salvation is a great salvation, it's a deep salvation, it's an exciting salvation, what else can I say? And so the way Paul does, he he continues saying something. And, it, it, and and this is what he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can be against you? There can hardly be more, rather there can hardly be four more important words that are put together in your vocabulary than those. If God is for me, who can be against me? Or what can be against me? Now, the Holy Spirit has got to be the one to to make this a part of who you are. Because in the natural, this is a ridiculous thought, is it not? If God is for me, like God is for me. Like God, the creator of the world, who, who created all the mountains, the trees, the rivers, the people, the animals, the stars, universe after universe. God is for me. Oh yeah, right. There's a voice and it's not the voice of God that tries to ping you with this. Oh yeah, right. Nice, happy, positive thinking statement. God is for you. But oh, the work that God does when he makes this a part of who you are. And he's just finished telling you in this chapter, he's just finished telling you that he is for you because you were you you've been chosen for a plan of his. It, your life is not about you. God's for you. Uh, Because he's brought you into a life in which the purpose of your life has become so much greater than your own little or my own little puny, tiny, useless, worthless dreams. It's about a God thing. Your life has been a a part of of a huge God thing. And for that reason, God is for you. God is for you. So we have this little voice in us that tries to convince us it's up to you to make something of your life which is not going to be easy because it's you against the world out there. It's, it's you. It's you uh, uh, if you're even going to survive out there, you're need, going to need to fight with all your mind and soul and strength because if you don't, that world's going to stomp you and you got to go out there and stomp on it or it'll stomp you. And that's an exhausting life and it's a life just filled with stress and anxiety. It's a life that just crushes. But no, Romans chapter 8, the, the Holy Spirit is, it, God through the Holy Spirit is literally begging you in these verses prior to telling you that God is for you. He's literally, literally begging you to understand that your life's not about you. Again, we already read, before you were born, He separated you for himself before you were born. He wrote your destiny to be conformed into the image of Christ, to become like Jesus Christ. Um, um, It says that he called you, not the other way around, not the other way around. We'll put up that verse in, in a little bit. But he called you. You didn't call him. He called you. And then he justified you. He, he is preparing you in advance for heaven. And as he promised, he has promised to get you to glory. God is for you. Because again, by your among other reasons, because by your life, someone's going to look at your life and go, whoa, she is related She's a sister of that Jesus guy. So that Jesus, the Son of God, looks great. Your life bringing attention to him. God glorifying um, himself through him. God, God is for you. God is for you. I used this illustration about a year ago. I, I usually don't like to repeat illustrations, um, particularly in the course of one year, but uh, I get it. This, this, this illustration, to me, um, it's the best, at least for me, as to how I struggled through this to get to the point where I actually got it. I actually believe it and live it. God is, is for me. And here's the illustration. Okay, pause. To go back 30 years, I, was in, I went to college in North Carolina and to a school called Wake Forest University. And growing up, I was, a, I was just a basketball hound. I mean, ever since I was a little kid uh, in the western suburbs of, of Boston, um, there was a basketball hoop in front of my house or near my house, and I just loved basketball. I mean, I'm just one of those guys even today. I'm 56 years old. Uh, if I, I, and some of you guys know what I'm talking about. For you, it may be, uh, or, or women, some of you women may know what I'm talking about. For you, it may be soccer or football or whatever, but, but when, when I walk by a basketball court, it's like a 10,000 foot pound magnet. It's like, I'm going like this. I'm trying to walk by, and, and it, literally, it's like that, it pulls me. And man, when I got to, um, When I got to Wake Forest University in North Carolina when I was 18 years old, there was a guy who was also starting school as a freshman. When I was was at Wake Forest, there was a guy starting as a freshman right down the road an hour away. Anyone know who? Anyone want to yell out who it was? Michael Jordan. So I spent my college years seeing Wake Forest University play against North Carolina and Michael Jordan. And guess what? We beat them. We beat that guy and those guys. And, and um, the team that was there when I was there had four players that went on to the pros. And um, when I was a freshman, I went into uh, the gym, and lo and behold, these guys who were going on to be professionals, they're playing pickup ball in the gym, and um, the gym was incredibly crowded, but the game ended. And so, you know, I went up there and i like, <laughs> you know, trying to see if I could get into the next game. And one of, one of these guys calls me onto his team. You've got to be kidding me. So here I am playing with, with, with guys that would go on to be pros. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it, it was one of the, the, the greatest memories of really of my whole life. And, and also, it's, it's incredible how these guys will make you feel good. I mean, you can throw a ball way, way um, away, but when the guy is six foot nine, he's going to get it. I mean, I, I just like <laughs> threw it straight up, and, and this guy's like this, and, 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 and we, we won this game. And, and I was just on cloud nine. I mean, basketball was my life. I was on cloud nine. So we won the game, and then right after the game, uh, some other Another guy's approaching. He's from the team. He's six foot eight. And he says, he looks at me. He goes, you, you're you not going to be in the next game. And uh, I wasn't about to oppose him. And so I, you know, I, I, I took off. But I cherished the memory. And I wasn't uh, offended in any way. But, but it was just such a wonderful experience. But, but here's the deal. I was in that game. And those guys were begrudgingly, allowing this dude to be a part of their game. I mean, it, look, if they could choose someone to be on their team, if they could choose anyone, they wouldn't be choosing me. I just happened to be there making myself noticed, you know, <laughs> um, and I got pulled into the game. I can tell you that for, the, for, for at least the first half, if not more, of my Christian life, I just couldn't really, I I I believe I, I knew the words that God is for me. I I I knew these words. But I just I had the same kind of feeling that I had when I was in, in that game that God is sort of just begrudgingly, reluctantly allowing me to participate in his thing. That, that if he could choose anyone, he's not going to choose me. And, and that as long, hear me, as long as I played by the rules, he let me stay in. You know what the problem with that mentality is? The, or the underlying root of it? Do you know why I thought I thought like that for so long? Because I thought my life was about me and my kingdom. As I got deeper, deeper into the Word, as I I began to understand that, wait a second, this life I'm living, it is not about me. And Ephesians two, verse ten, just an incredible verse to get me to start understanding this. It says, "For we," and that means you. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which Steve Cole thought up himself and just decided to do and hoped that God would approve of it. No, that is not what it says. It says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. it's not about God begrudgingly allowing you to take part in this thing called life, Christian. That's not what your life with God is about. It's not about God reluctantly, or, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll let him, or I'll let her take part in this thing called life as long as you follow the rules. What did you just read? What did I just read? What did we read together? He shows you, separated you to himself before you were even in your mother's womb he called you it says he predestined you to 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 have a life according to his plans And, and let me tell you God's plans are never frustrated he his plan he has his way you may try to resist him. You may try to be like Jonah and, and, and run in the other direction that God wants you to go. You'll wind up in a belly of a whale and that whale will spit you out in the direction, you go back in the direction that God wants you to be in. He, not, he equipped you he equipped you for that work that he has prepared in advance that you should walk into. In other words, all that stuff that happened in your life prior to today, that good stuff, that bad stuff, God is equipping you, he's disciplining you, he's breaking you down, he's building you up so that you can walk in the works that he has prepared for you. Works that are his works that you're just getting into line and walking according to what his works are for your life. God is for you. Let me say this, and, 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 and... And this is the type of thing that I'll say and unfortunately someone may twist it around and and misinterpret it. But part of our problem in understanding that God is for us is because we think that supremely the biggest reason that God is for me is because he loves me. The Bible doesn't teach that. And that's why so many of us are insecure. Like, how how could God love me in such a way that he's for me, that all things work together for good in my life? How could that be? God is not for you supremely because he loves you, although certainly that's the case. He loves you with such unimaginable, incomprehensible intensity. The Bible says God is love. And that he loves you with a great passion. But the reason he is for you is so much greater than just his love for you. He is for you because you're part of his purposes on planet Earth. What are those purposes? It's to glorify his name. It's to make God look great. Because when God is looking great and people recognize that God is great, everyone's happy. When the leader of North Korea wants everyone to glorify him and worship him, everyone is miserable. Everyone's miserable when the president of our country or, or any country wants all that worship and glory. Everyone starts becoming miserable because it's all about, but, but not so with God. That's something that's inherently different between God and man. When man's glorified, everyone gets miserable. When God's glorified, everyone starts to learn the purpose and, and, and of their life to have joy in God, to glorify him in that way. Isaiah 63, 13, 14, great verse. This is um, us speaking to God. God, you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name. Not you lead your people, uh, you lead me to make something of my life. That's not what it says. Says you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name. And then John 15, 16 says this. You did not choose me. This is Jesus speaking. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And the fruit that, sh- the, uh, the fruit that he's going to bear in your life, it doesn't have to do with you. The, the fruit is about him. Bearing fruit means you, through your life, The life of God is being reproduced in the lives of others. You didn't choose me, Jesus is telling you, telling me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Uh, Think of that basketball game that I was a part of. Now, again, I got into my, I, I, I don't remember the exact details, but I, I, I got into that game by kind of getting myself into it. Do you realize, Christian, that when God chose you, you didn't even know about his basketball game? You didn't even know it was going on. You weren't saying, I hope he chooses me. That's the last thing you were saying. The, the, you were blind to the game. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, You he made alive who were dead, dead and blind, dead and blind and trespassing and sin. You didn't even know about the game. He, 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 the Bible says that he, he made you alive and he opened up your eyes and it was like, Wow, yes! I'm in the game. He wants me in the game. God chose me. And, and so... Uh, Do you understand a little bit more that God is for you? You didn't even choose to be in this life with God. He chose you, He opened up your eyes to it. It's His game. It's Him. It's Him and His glory that's at stake in your life. It's not you that's at stake. You're with me? I'm going to call the the worship team up. Um, We're just going to end the service now with a, with a worship song, but if you're if you're taking notes or if, if you've been following me closely, I hope, it's my prayer, that you understand that so much of what we've been talking about today, so much, so much of what we're talking about today requires that you surrender. You surrender your life to Jesus completely. In other words, you go to, to God with the, with the white flag, I surrender, and, and you say, all right, my plans, my dreams, my ideas of what is going to happen with my life, I'm just going to give them to you, Lord. You can either take them all away or you can replace them all. Now, now why do I say this? I say this because if you haven't surrendered and you have made up in your own mind what your life is going to be all about, you're not going to be able to go through life thinking, God is for me. You're going to have this this insecurity, like, oh, wow, I, I certainly hope I've chosen these things. You know, this is what I want to do, that career, this, this man, this woman, this, this geographical place, and I just hope that God uh, puts his hand on it and blesses it. No, no, you got it. You you, you'll, you'll, never, you'll never be able to, 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 to rest and be strong in the fact that God is for you if you're holding on to your life like that but when you've surrendered your life to god and piece by piece he makes it really clear that you're walking in the direction that he has put you on your confidence will increase so much wow if god is for me cuz this is this my life is all about him now and i'm walking in his will who can be against me? Verse 31 again, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So why don't we rise now for the closing worship song? And I want to... uh, I want to also call up anyone who's been asked to pray. If you've been asked to to pray as a prayer couple in front, please come up. If anything is stirred in your mind that you'd like to come up and pray, please do. If you're struggling with this whole thing about is God for me, please come up. We'll, We'll pray for you. I can't end the service I can't end this service without also saying this these are incredible promises that apply only to a child of God the Bible says that we don't become a child of God by being born into a, a Christian family It says in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, a child of God is only a person, a man or a woman or a child who has come into their place and they receive Jesus for who he is, the son of God who lived and died for them. They receive him as the Lord and Savior of their life. If you've never done that, if you've never done that in your life, I didn't do it until my early 20s, even though I'd been in church a good part of my life. If you've never done that in your life, if you've never come to the place in your life where you recognize that, wow, God has been my whole life. God has just been this... He hasn't been my Lord. He's been this, this person who... I cry to in times of trouble, and then when things are fixed, I sort of forget about them. That's who God was for me. He wasn't my Lord. You don't forget your Lord. If you've never done that, again, uh, John chapter 1, verse 12, says, to ever who receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, to whoever who believes in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. If you've never done that, if you've never said that prayer, if you've never opened up your heart and said, yes, come in, I receive you, my Lord and Savior, come up. Okay, let's worship. If you'd like to to come up, um, uh, please do at this point. I'm going to close quickly in prayer. Father, I just pray for the worship time now. Lead us, guide us, and complete the work that you want to do here this day. In Jesus' name.